Hey, welcome. This is Winning at Life with Gregory Ricks. I'm your host, Gregory Ricks, a financial advisor here to answer your questions and help you win with your money. And I'm your co-host, James Parker. On today's episode, we talk about employee stock plans. If your company offers you one, should you take it? If you do take it, how much money should you put in it? If you do put money in it, how do you know how and when to get out? We have some show notes and a complimentary download waiting for you. Winningatlife.com slash podcast 15. Winningatlife.com slash podcast 15. Okay, so Gregory, long time ago, I'm talking about going back to the early 2000s, like 2005, 2006. Your co-host used to work for Sirius Satellite Radio. And they had a plan there that was an employee stock option plan to where if you wanted to take some of your money and buy stock, they would give it to you at a discount. There was also another plan to where it was like a profit sharing plan to where each quarter they would divvy up some of the profits and rain it down on their employees. But it wouldn't be and you wouldn't get a check for it. You would get stocks. And so it's one of these things where it immediately you think these little employee stock plans are really self-serving for a startup company because you don't actually have to pay your employees to have something that's air quotes compensation considered. Now, if you go pull up the, the chart for the Sirius XM holding stock, S-I-R-I, you can see why in 2005, 2006, there was a lot of people who had reason to believe that that stock could get back up to its previous high. That was around $60 a share. It's all time high, 63 and some change, right? So when I was on board, it was more like five, six bucks. I bought in when I was there. I'm like, sure, just shave off a couple of bucks here and there. So I was left holding a bunch of stock that went down to about, I don't know, 50 cents a share by the time, um, by the time my purchases were done. And now I've cashed it out not too long ago. And I mean, within the last few years, it was only about 200 and something dollars worth of stock. It was a complete loss. That is my one experience, and that is my only experience with an employee stock plan like that. I'm sure you've dealt with hundreds, maybe thousands. How typical is that? That it's gone the wrong way? Yeah, generally the thing where you're looking to hold it long enough so that you're being taxed as a capital gain. So you have some risk in that time. Sometimes there's rules dictating how long you can hold it. One of the cool things is about having options on it where your options at a lower price than where it is. And then of course, if it's kind of a Lululemon Netflix type company where it's moving up or Apple, we can you know use any of the growth situation. That's what you're hoping for. But some of this is where you're just getting a discount on the stock. So you're, you're on just the purchase makes that worth it. But I've had conversations recently on, um, with a gentleman that has uh, quite a bit of options there. And I, I, I told him, I said, do not let those options expire. There's too much value there. And I don't remember the numbers, but I, I think, you know, if he was to exercise all of them, you know, and it's in the pharma world, but I, I think he comes away with 350000 at what it's priced at now. If he was to buy them all and exercise them at current price, I'm not sure what the buy-in is on that, but it is under hundred k. But he would walk away with three hundred fifty to 400000 But I think a year from now, that stock may well be worth more. I've personally exercised options in years past that uh, 
was quite profitable. Would love more of that on a regular basis, but you know, it's not there. This is the scariest stock chart we can show per potential investors where you think, okay, you buy it on the dip. Even if it goes back to half of its all-time high, you're going to make a lot of money. I don't see this a whole lot, or I don't see people bragging about the stock a whole lot where it has its little meteoric rise up or, you know, as volatile as it was, it's on its way up. It crashes. You can buy in and then it just never comes back. It just stays at the bottom for perpetuity. It stays at the bottom for 18 years. This stock crashed 2001, hit its initial bottom in 2002, and it's not too far from that. Well, it could have been worse for you. I could have bought more. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it could have went to zero. You heard of WorldCom, Enron? Oh, oh we've seen those stories in there as well where the company's gone. You're totally right to say that because while I was working there, I believe it was in 2008, they did the merger with XM. And the concern is, okay, is Sirius going to come out on top of this or is XM going to come out on top of this because the other guy is going to get wiped out? Yeah. Remember one of my historical things I give to you on a regular basis is most stocks do not outperform 30-day treasuries. And if you don't believe... And we just gave a few examples. Right. Let's talk to Ann on the West Bank. You're on Winning It Life with Gregory Ricks. How can we help you, Ann? Hey, I have a pretty... Should be a simple question for you. Okay. This year, because the required minimum distribution isn't required this year, I was thinking about rolling some money from my company 401k into one of my self-directed Roth accounts. I'm retired. I can do that rollover. But my Roth accounts are small, but they've been established for more than five years. So I've met the five-year rule on these Roths. Can I just roll some money into one of them and commingle it? And because I've met the five-year requirement, can I immediately start having my earnings on that money be interest uh, tax-free? Or does this new rollover need to sit for another five years? First, Anne, I need to clarify on your 401k. Is that 401k a Roth 401k? No. Okay. No, it's it's a regular 401k. So so all of that money is a traditional 401k. So for it to leave the 401k and become a Roth, that is a taxable event because that would be a right. conversion over to the Roth. Each right. and That's with correct. that said, each conversion to a Roth carries the five year rule. A contributory account, once you've contributed for five years and you keep contributing, all that money falls under that original five year rule. But every time you do a conversion, say I'm gonna convert fifty thousand a year for the next five years. Each 50000 right. carries a new five-year rule, which means that money's got to stay there five years or beyond age 59 and a half, whichever's longer, so it all comes out tax-free. That's what the five-year rule is that we're talking about okay. so that it's growing I looked tax-free. It up. Yes, I ma'am. looked it up all over the Internet, and it was so confusing. Some of the places I was reading, and it said if you've already had a Roth IRA anywhere for more than five years... You can add to it, you know, convert more money into it without having to wait another five years. But apparently that's not right. Apparently that is not any right. conversion has to wait five years. 
correct. Con contributions to the contributory account that's past five years, you can keep adding to it. But once again, a Roth conversion, each conversion, that block of money carries a five-year rule from that point. Okay, so it's probably best not to co-mingle it for bookkeeping purposes. No, no. You, you want some clarity on that, honestly. And if you're doing a conversion, so tell me, share with us, what's approximate value of this 401k? Well, it's dropped about 50% so far this year. Oh, no. So it used to be about 600000 Now it's probably about 300 and some thousand. Oh, but, uh, gosh. The, the market's up a good bit. We're not at the bottom of the market. That's like horrible. What happened? That's like we need to have another well, conversation. I, I had too, too much money in uh, oil-related stocks. Oh, Okay. Yeah, those but aren't I bouncing I back. I haven't sold any. I haven't sold any yet, so maybe it'll come back. Who knows? Yeah, that's like so a anyway, whole other conversation there, Anne. That's for sure. Right. That's not my only investment, though. I okay. mean, I'm not going broke or anything. Okay, but, good uh, to hear. I just thought, I thought that this was a good opportunity to do some Roth conversion money this year since we it, don't have to. It is. And, and two seconds here. It is a good time to do if that value is going to come back to you next year. We have a tremendous listening audience, and I, I just want all of you to know we're very appreciative of your support here at Winning at Life. Um, Big fans. You know, and, and fans. people say, oh, I'm a fan, you know, long-time listener, first-time co that, that is awesome stuff. We appreciate that. But to listen and call in and understand that you are going to get help, and the listeners know that, know that we're giving out good information, and we're straight up. If, if, if we don't know it, we're also going to share that. With. Most of the time, we know the answer. But with that said, well, um, some cases you want to verify. Anne had called in a, the first part before she revealed some painful information was, was about a 401k, traditional 401k, and she was looking to do a Roth conversion and thought if she mailed it with her existing Roth account that it would be beyond the five-year rule. And the five-year rule is you've got to leave that money that goes into a Roth there for five years, and once you're beyond age 59 and a half, you can take it out tax-free, the distributions. And that's the magic of a Roth is a money grows tax-deferred. Once it's there for five years and beyond age 59 and a half, it comes out tax-free and penalty-free. So some sweet magic money. And then she shared that it was from her 401k. She had 600000 Now it's 300000 in value. So uh, I was like, if she had, I was shocked by that because my assumption was she had a diversified blended portfolio and bonds haven't crashed. And yeah, the market was down over 30% mid-March, but for the most part, has really done well coming back if you have a diversified, blended portfolio. Then she shared with us it was pretty much uh, oil-related. And I, I'm not reading anything from what Ann said. I'm just giving you a scenario that I think might have played into it, and, and that would be somebody overweighted in company stock, 
in in the 401k because otherwise why would somebody be focused only in oil securities in a 401k you know if you're working for google you're not going to focus in oil related stocks in your 401k if if you're working for uh ABC Coffee Company, you're not going to focus in oil-related stocks. So that I go back to that's where you got to be careful in industry-focused or company stock that overweights you and exposes you. And that's why, you know, once again, I, I'm more on the side of blending. You know, my invest 50-50 philosophy is more about blending. If if, if you're and I like three asset classes. I, I like uh, index linked. I like stock ETFs, and I I like bond ETFs. I, I like all three, but in a four hundred one k, that that index linked is not there yet. Even though Congress in the Secure Act at the end of the year approved that, that you can get annuities in the four hundred one k. So that's going to be a good thing for the future, and and maybe they'll you know uh, annuities will shine some instead of being put down. And the fix that is not, and I don't, I shouldn't speak in general because we dislike variable annuities, kind of like a passion. But fixed annuities may develop some shine now. Just polish them a little bit; they're going to look as good as they really are there. But if if you've got and you don't have that option, your four hundred one k, then I think you should have balance among indexed ETFs. You know, you kind of say, well, which ones? Do you like, well, I kind of like uh, some of the Dow, some of the S&P 500, some of the NASDAQ, and a few others, or some sub-indexes. Now, and that's for about half the assets. The other half, I, what I kind of like, I like some bonds. I like bond ETFs. Now, in most 401k, it's not going to be ETFs. It's going to be mutual funds, the same thing. And, and those are lower cost because we're not trying to active manage like, Oh yeah, I'll beat the market. Really? Most never beat the market. It, it That's kind of a rare thing. So if you have lower cost choices, guess what's being left for you? More of the gain. So think about it that way. And that's where blending helps you even in a COVID crisis because only half of your money is really directly affected by stocks. So did, did I kind of cover all the parts to that surprise on the back end of the conversation? Yeah, you saw me almost fall out of my stool I know. when she we, said we she felt, lost half of it. We felt her pain. I, it, it pained me as well, but I wanted to go into that a little bit more for the listeners to understand why something like that could possibly happen and then how blending helps protect you from that. That's it's a, That's... Uh, a deeper dive into diversification and not having, you know, and, and once again, when we talk diversity, well, I've, I've got 500 stock, different stocks. All you have is stocks. Yeah. That's all I have is stocks. Well, that's not diversification. Here's what I was thinking of is I was thinking back about a month ago to where we did the show on if your company has an employee stock plan and you're getting a pretty good deal on it. Is that such a good idea? And, Maybe it's a good idea for a small part of your portfolio, but my goodness, if you're overweight in stocks, this this is what you described could happen. It's not unusual to over the this past years to see oil-related employees carrying 
50% or more of their money in company stock. And you tell me you, you're, you're overweighted, your diversification. And they, oh no, this, we're, this is going to be fine. Now people end up like this for, through employee stock plans commonly, but this is exactly what can happen if you're not an employee stock plan and you're just all in stocks. Yeah. Or you're overweighted. Like you can pick any of them. It just, that's what blending and diversification that's why you do that. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Before you sign up for that employee stock plan, you may want to go take a look at some show notes and a complimentary download we have on this topic waiting for you. Winningatlife.com slash podcast 15. Winningatlife.com slash podcast 15. Thanks for hanging out today. We do this six days a week. Catch all of our episodes live and on podcast with the Winning at Life app. Let us help you build a retirement story that you will be proud of. My office number is 504-832-9200 or go to gregoryricks.com. We are Winning at Life with Gregory Ricks. Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC. AE Wealth Management, Gregory Ricks and Associates, W.J. Blanchard Law, LLC, J. Heath and Company, and Mortgage Gumbo are not affiliated companies. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of principal. Any references to protection, safety, or lifetime income generally refer to fixed insurance products, never securities or investments. Insurance guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims-paying abilities of the issuing carrier. This radio show is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be used as the sole basis for financial decisions, nor should it be construed as advice designed to meet the particular needs of an individual's situation. Annuities are insurance contracts designed for retirement or other long-term needs. They provide guarantees of principal and credited interest subject to surrender charges. Annuity guarantees and protections are backed by the financial strength and claims paying ability of the issuing insurer. Roth conversion is a taxable event and may have several tax-related consequences. Be sure to consult with a qualified tax advisor before making any decisions regarding your IRA. Hypothetical examples have been provided for illustrative purposes only. It does not represent a real-life scenario and should not be construed as advice designed to meet the particular needs of an individual situation. Gregory Ricks and Associates is not permitted to offer, and no statement made during the show shall constitute legal or tax advice. Our firm is not affiliated or endorsed by the U.S. government or any governmental agency. The information and opinions contained herein provided by third parties have been obtained from sources believed to be reliable, but accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed by Gregory Ricks and Associates. We are Winning at Life with Gregory Ricks.